0: This episode of Halloween Unmasked is brought to you again by our friends at Shudder, the premium video streaming service for every ghoul out there who wants to get spooky this Halloween season. For just $4.99 a month, you can stream the best thrillers, chillers, suspense films on all of your favorite devices, on the iPhone, on the Apple TV, on the Amazon, on the Android. You have it all right there at your fingertips, and you have Halloween 1, Halloween 4, and Halloween 5. So if you haven't seen them by now on episode 7 of the show, come on, get started do it right now go to shutter.com slash podcast and use the promo code unmasked for 14 days for free that shutter.com slash podcast and use the promo code unmasked now go get spooky let's start this episode with a true story a spooky one in 1978 a teenage babysitter bought a ticket to go see the movie halloween she figured she was grown up now she could handle the scary movie but then she saw girls her own age with her own job getting murdered
1: Well, kiddo, I thought you outgrew superstition.
0: She hadn't. Halloween frightened her to death. And her fear of Michael Myers, it chased her even after the closing credits. Here's her daughter on what happened next.
2: My mom had an ongoing babysitting job in 1978. And um, she saw Halloween. And she quit her babysitting job. (laughs) It, like, traumatized her so much. And she... She like was she was so vocal about how much about how much it scared her. The movie casually stalked the woman.
0: Nothing major, a double take here and there, a glimpse of something unnervingly familiar through the sheets.
2: Like how her town when the sun went down, it would go from looking safe to sinister. It's a nice kind of white picket town and I I wouldn't say it's that far off from Haddonfield. That's also another reason I'm not a huge, like, scary movies always scared me as a kid because I felt like they always put it in a town, like, in the Midwest, in Illinois, and it's typically (laughs) a town just like mine. But she grew up. She had a daughter herself. She told her daughter stories about Halloween. My mom, I mean, was pretty open about the fact that this movie was so scary to her. And I think that that led to this next thing that happened. It happened on
0: Halloween. One Halloween night, decades after the woman first saw the film, she and her own daughter, they looked out their front window, and there stood Michael Myers. He wasn't ringing the doorbell asking for candy. He was
2: outside, just standing there, watching them. Somebody put on a Michael Myers mask and stood on the corner of our yard for like three hours on the night of Halloween, two years in a row, <laughs> to the point where my mom like ended up threatening to call the cops and then he ran away. I'm assuming it was like one of my sister's like kinda a whole friends, but <laughs> who knows? We were all a little tr- freaked out.
0: I mean, two years is commitment.
2: Yeah, two years is rough. Two years is rough. My mom the first year was, <laughs> was not doing well. And uh, and then the second year it comes around and and she was so mad. But the second year it wasn't nearly as long. He was there for like a few minutes, and and my mom like <laughs> my mom is like brings out her brings out her house phone and is like I'm calling nine one one now right now. And he like skimpered away, <laughs> or she who knows.
0: or she because michael myers has a lot of fans and today is dedicated to them to the people who have dragged the movie from the screen out into reality who put on masks to strike terror in the hearts of scaredy cats or just because they love michael myers we're going to tag along on a couple halloween fan pilgrimages like to Laurie strode's house in south pasadena and then to the halloween h40 convention right around the corner As for that voice we were just talking to, it belongs to actress Andy Maticek, who stars in the new 2018 Halloween that just opened this weekend. Which means that yes, she too is now permanently marked with the sign of the pumpkin, destined to stalk conventions forevermore and spend the rest of her life posing with Michael Myers. Yeah, her scared mom definitely had a curse put on her by the cult of Thorn, because Michael Myers is going to haunt this family forever. So yes, I'm your Halloween Unmasked host, Amy Nicholson, and today is about me and you and all of us who just love this movie, who have it under their skin. Because when a movie is around for 40 years, when it has that long of an impact, it affects people. It makes them quit babysitter jobs, sure, but it's also inspiring. It can connect folks to other horror geeks, and it can shape the kind of art they make. Which leads us into two more super Halloween fans, David Gordon Green and Danny McBride, who we're going to talk to in depth in the second half of this show about the childhood nightmares that they turned into their own Michael Myers movie. Here's a quick word from Danny.
3: I've seen it countless times. I'd seen it countless times before we even got the job. And then once we got the job, it was just an excuse to just like rewatch all of the films.
0: Danny was too young to see Halloween in theaters, but when it came out, it did have tons of fans right away. Jamie Lee Curtis got lots of letters, one that actually even came forwarded from The Exorcist Linda Blair. It read, Dear Linda Blair, I am a big fan of yours. You are my second favorite movie actress. My first favorite? It's Jamie Lee Curtis. That was sweet. Though, after seeing her mom's own dangerous psycho fan mail, in the very, very early days, Jamie Lee slept with a table leg under her bed. Hey, I mean, who knew what crazies could be out there? But by the time Halloween H20 came out, she felt more in control— She joked, the fan base for horror movies is a really loyal, wonderful group of people, but I'm not sure that the Oscar world is. That same year, 1998, Jamie Lee got her star on Hollywood's Walk
2: of Fame. (laughs) Janet Lee was there. Now you bless me again by honoring my daughter Jamie Lee.
0: And Michael was there too, of course. He attacked her. She survived. Jamie Lee called Halloween H20 her 20th anniversary thank you note to every Halloween fan out there. She would stand in the back of the theater as fans watched it and something in herself, in her own attitude towards the movie, changed. Halloween had had fans, of course, but there's a difference between a fan and fandom. A fan can be singular, it can be short-lived, it's someone who took three dates to go see Halloween in theaters. That's really the max response that teenage Jamie Lee had expected Halloween to get. But fandom, it's collective. It's self-perpetuating. It's long-lasting. I mean, it just goes on. It is kids growing up wanting to see the movie before they even know what it is. And it's their parents telling them about it, or maybe forbidding them from seeing it. It's when a movie stops being just a fun hour and a half, and it becomes part of permanent pop culture. That is what hit home for Jamie when she watched people, young people, watch Halloween H2O. In an interview at the time, she said, This new fan base is loving it. I never really felt a connection to the audience before. That kind of fandom builds, as Bianca Richards and her husband Ron Gerchie know better than almost anyone.
4: When we first moved in here, uh, we hadn't even seen the movie Halloween. So we weren't, you know, we weren't really aware of it. And then actually the fans uh, educated us about where we lived. Where do they live, you ask? Laurie Strode's house
0: in South Pasadena.
5: I mean, essentially... I'm walking around in my underwear with a bowl of cereal and there's Michael Myers outside (laughs) with the knife, you know, walking up and down the sidewalk. And I think, oh, yeah, Halloween. Yeah. Any time of the day.
0: I can't believe that your realtor didn't tell you.
5: It wasn't it wasn't a big deal 37 years ago.
0: Laurie's most iconic image outside Ron and Bianca's house is when she's sitting outside on that block of stone with a pumpkin on her lap, and she's waiting for Annie to pick her up.
4: They would bring their own pumpkins and come and reenact the scene. And then it, then it just kind of little by little, it dawned on me. And I, you know, and then, yeah, like I said, the fans just said, this is the famous scene in Halloween. And then, you know, we were too embarrassed to tell people we haven't even seen the movie yet. Well,
5: it took a long time oh, for yeah. it to kind of catch on. The The few people who came the first few years were just hardcore. I mean, they knew everything. I mean, like uh, Rabbit in in Red Red Lounge. You know that one? Yeah. Matchbooks. Yeah, yeah. they knew everything.
0: Right. Ron and Bianca are referring to the Rabbit in Red matchbook that Nurse Marianne uses to light a cigarette and then that Dr. Loomis finds in the dirt that's basically this just random red herring that then Rob Zombie later turns into the strip club where Lori's mom dances. So finally, Bianca and
4: Ron watched Halloween themselves once. And now when we can tell people that we know what rabbit in red is, but of course off-season pumpkins are hard to get. I found all these fake pumpkins and I thought, oh my gosh, this is wonderful. So I bought a whole bunch of fake pumpkins. I put them out on the porch. I made a plaque and boom, it went viral on the internet.
5: It's more like an avalanche (laughs) than anything else. It grew and it grew and it grew and the boulders got bigger and bigger. And pretty soon we just got clued in and then we weren't surprised anymore. Yeah. Almost nothing surprises right. us. I, I mean, they're so happy to be here that to deny them and to, to, to be the kind of cartoon grouch, which goes, you kids get off my lawn, you know, that one. You, you can't do it. I mean, it's just, it'd be cruel. And some of them with with kind of awe in their eyes, like they can't believe they're at this shrine
4: Yesterday it was really cute. Several fans were actually bowing down to the stoop. Yeah, <laughs> so that was that was very uh, that was sweet. All year. All year. Almost
5: yeah. you know, 300 days of the year, mm. easily. Japan, Germany, France. Yes.
4: A new uh, Australia. Remember that really nice uh, right. police officer right. who gave us his badge. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like every year. Uh, a. We get a lot of a lot of fans from Germany, and they just say that the movie Halloween is phenomenal there. They don't do trick or treating, but they love the movie. I would say the, the the best people was the the French couple who came a few right. months ago, and they had their newborn baby, and they were so excited that uh, they were introducing this baby to Halloween. They
5: and held the baby. They up. held the baby
4: up, took pictures. And they said that this was the start of a long, you know, uh, relationship with Halloween. Ron, by the way, is also the poet laureate of South Pasadena,
0: which you can kind of tell.
5: If, if they come up at night, which is rare, they do it like Sandberg's Fog on little cat feet. We never hear anything.
4: We've never had any menacing people. I think they pretend to be menacing because we have a lot of Michael Myers.
5: We see so many Michael Myers.
4: Yeah.
5: You know, and, and sometimes they'll just, if you step out on the porch, maybe just to get the mail or something, they'll rip off their masks and, and say hello and I hope I didn't frighten you.
0: Well, that is good advice because we are about to be surrounded by Michael Myers's at the Halloween H40 convention in Pasadena. It was really just like a 10-minute drive from Rana Bianca's, but as soon as we parked next to cars with knife stickers on them, we knew that we were in the right place there were tons of michael myers is there like actual literal michael myers is who played him in the movie there were fans they were waiting patiently to see nick castle uh james jude courtney who plays michael in the new film he was there holding court the line to talk to dick warlock who played michael in halloween 2 was super long and then there were several interim michaels and then i spotted Dag ferch who played the young michael myers in the first rob zombie halloween you know the one that you actually spend time with in the asylum Today, Dag is 23, but he's got that same long blonde hair and also now a septum piercing. He's wearing a gold satin jacket.
6: Oh, I'm great, Dag. You feel me, baby? I just slay. That's all I do. (laughs) I take a beat, I slay. I take a part, I slay. Uh, I, I take a sled, I slay.
0: After Daig played Michael Myers as a kid, he brought Michael Myers' spirit with him to middle school.
6: I was getting bullied by uh, one of the school bullies, you feel I me? Mean? Doing his thing, coming up close to me. Whoop, whoops, I'm sitting down, just talking shit. And I stood up and gave him that Michael Myers look, the, the eyes of the devil, you feel me? He sat down and shut up and never bullied me after that.
0: Whoa, are you serious? You were able to use Michael Myers to, get, to stop getting bullied? Exactly. Middle school kind of sucked for Daig. But then he got into music and things got better.
6: I rap is great Daig and I do my own music videos. I actually just learned how to play the do 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 <laughs> and it's dumb easy.
0: Speaking of John Carpenter and music, Digg's newer videos, like the one for his song Halloween on Friday the thirteenth, they have a Michael Myers theme.
6: And I recreated for the music video my uh, my kills. I think five of them. And that was that was really fun because I produced the beat, you know, made it all chopped up and creepy and stuff and tried to have like a pretty heavy michael myers verse in it you feel me a well, little mike back got it again ripy bitch shut you and i spit spitting the friend. i have this one bar where i say what is it break the ban- break the branch batter up swing break your legs and your face happy halloween
0: There are many people around Daig's booth who want to meet him. And then there are the people around Daig. They're crowding the convention floor. They're walking up and down the hallways and waiting for the bathroom in costume. Lots of them are dressed like Michael, or they're wearing his picture on their shirt, or they're holding little plastic Michaels in their hands. Like this guy. Finally got a Michael Myers action figure, man. Cam is a true Halloween superfan.
7: 1978, two of my favorite films of all time came out. Uh, One film gave us Great Evil, which was Halloween. The other one gave us the greatest form of good, which was Superman. The only reason why I'm saying that is because I got to see Superman in the theater. My mom wasn't having it with Halloween, so I, I had to catch up a year later when it came on HBO behind her back with my aunt and uncle. I've never been so scared of my life. And when it was over, when uh, Dr. Loomis shot him, he was gone, and it ended like, you know, very ambiguously. I had to go to bed, had to cut, it was the hardest time cutting through the kitchen with the lights turned off. <laughs> I was like, that fool went behind, it might be behind a refrigerator.
0: And he's not above throwing shade at other fandoms.
7: Mama's boy, Cam Crystal Lake, you know, the most famous Michael Myers wannabe. <laughs> <Before he's... laughs> but, but no, it, you know, it, it's all fun, it's all love. Um, but Halloween's what I gel to, so that's why I came to it.
0: Then down the hallway, we spotted another Michael who agreed to break character and take off his mask for a quick interview.
6: It's just like something about him, it's just like it's beyond words and I've been cosplaying as him for like five six years gone to numerous events here California Phoenix Texas kids will come up and they think you're Mickey Mouse of the horror community (laughs) it's just awesome it's just like oh my gosh it's Michael Myers dad and you're like sitting there underneath the mask you have to smile because you're like dude this kid's cool like he knows that's parenting right
0: Michael Fandom belongs to everyone, all
6: types of people.
4: Um, I'm just wearing, like, um, I guess, like the girl version of a Michael Myers suit. So, like, a navy blue jumpsuit type thing, but the arms are short.
0: Female Michael Myers is standing by the convention floor door with her friend, who's dressed as, I guess you would call it, Freddy Krueger meets Ariana Grande. She's wearing this giant, oversized striped sweater, tall boots, gigantic, long fake ponytail.
4: just hoping to see you know everybody in the halloween spirit and you know just coming together like the strange halloween people all in one place which we are strange halloween people so it's good to see the other people that really love the holiday like we do
0: speaking of strange oh, while we were talking to the girls we missed a very strange fan interaction but luckily we bumped into this guy who told us about it
8: we just met uh, uh, mr courtney who played michael myers in the latest one when we just got his autograph somebody just left him a whole bunch of this fake bloody teeth on his thing and he was like you can have them if you want and i'm like well the people around here are freaky so those might be real teeth so i was like wow i was just like well i definitely don't want these now just in case they are real because they looked real he's like i don't want that i was like you're gonna get this for the next like 40 years now because you've been in this movie he's like it's a small price to pay
0: and this man was holding a michael mask in his hand signed by dick warlock the halloween 2 michael myers he braved dick warlock's long line to give him a compliment he thought dick needed to hear
9: this is a custom-made uh, Halloween Two Dick Warlock mask, and Dick Warlock signed it here, for me, just the way he glided. See, to me, when you look at Michael Myers, it's like being killed by nothing, by no feeling, by no body, and I felt that his walk just kind of blended in with the breeze, but... Did
0: you tell him that? Because, yeah, I mean, I know I he's taken so much for that, like, Deborah Hill didn't yeah. like his walk. What, tell me about that moment.
9: Today about it. I said, you by far, um, or moved better than than Nick Castle, not against Nick, but I just defined in me what Michael should be. And he said he's heard that a lot, you know, but I saw, too, where people kind of ripped him for the way he moved, you know, but that's just my opinion on it.
0: And then there were the fans who stood up for Michael's victims. Can you tell us who you're addressed as right now?
2: Annie Brackett, which is one of uh, Michael Myers' victims. One of my favorite characters, even though she's been killed.
0: For the full mental picture, she's dressed as Annie in the laundry scene. So just a white shirt, a wig, underwear, and knee socks. It's gray and drizzly outside, so I can't help worrying that her knee socks aren't enough to keep her from catching cold.
2: They're pretty warm.
0: Okay, good. This Annie is a survivor.
2: Hey, jerk, speed kills!
0: And, of course, there's a badass-looking Lori.
2: I love that she's a fighter. She's the final girl. She starts off, I would not want to say meek and mild, because she definitely had some good zingers in there, but she was just sort of the everyday girl that was put in this terrible situation and turned out extraordinary and figured a way out.
0: Today, her Lori ran into a Michael Myers, and the interaction, I would say, was adorable.
2: This tiny child, this little girl, she had to have been about six years old, dressed as Michael Myers, her face lighting up when she saw me. Definitely the best moment.
0: And then there was one of my favorite deep cut costumes. Like When I saw this guy, I practically tackled him in the hallway.
9: I am dressed as Bucky from Halloween 4. He is the electrician who tries to stop Michael Myers from trespassing on city property and pays the price for it by being, spoiler, uh, thrown into some power stuff (laughs) and electrocuted. Okay, for real though, why Bucky? He's just a regular working dude that is just trying to get through his shift Halloween night at the power station and is trying to obey the rules. And you just can't tell Michael Myers, no, you can't be here. And you can't threaten to call the cops on him. I like the smaller characters. He's got a mustache. I have a mustache. Uh, It works out.
0: I can't see, but what's in your bag?
9: Oh, so in my bag I just have some electrician's items. I have uh, pliers, I have wire strippers, I have an Allen wrench set, screwdriver, and a paperback copy of Halloween 3 because I figure Bucky gets bored at work sometimes and just needs to read a book. And last, we talked to
0: Natasha, who claimed to be there as her boyfriend's victim.
9: I was dragged to this convention, but I'm I'm very glad that I came. As he said, I'm more interested in Halloween 3, but I just saw the first Halloween movie last week but although it came out in the 70s this movie is so iconic and now coming back in 2018 that proves that this is a part of movie history in the horror genre it, it proves it
0: what do you like about Halloween 3? stand up for that, it needs more love
9: it had nothing to do with Michael Myers are you telling me you are scared of Michael Myers and you came here? I'm not afraid of anything <laughs> I enjoy being terrified. I enjoy being scared. I love watching horror movies in the dark by myself. I just love the genre. Period. Here, here, Natasha.
0: We're going to take a quick break, and when Halloween Unmasked comes back, we'll give a shout-out to a Halloween tour you can take if you're on the East Coast. And then John Carpenter will get an award that is also kind of the passing of the torch to two Halloween fans who will grow up to take over the franchise. Hold tight. Let me give one more thank you to the sponsors of this episode of Halloween Unmasked. It is AMC Network's Shudder, the premium video streaming service for every fan who wants to get ghoulish. What is special about Shudder is that they have curators, really brilliant people who know their horror stuff, who go through these amazing libraries, and they tailor-make different types of scary movie programs for whatever mood that you're in. These are people who absolutely know their horror stuff. They know your old horror. They know your new horror. They know your avant-garde horror. They have it down. One of the curated sections they have right now is called a Shutter Halloween. It is where you're going to find probably my favorite weird thing they have on the site, which is just called ghoul log. If you're into like having a Yule log, you know, one of those TV things where you just have a log burning on your set all Christmas season. But you're actually like cooler than that because you're more into Halloween. They have a pumpkin. You can put it on your TV. It is a jack-o'-lantern. It will put you in the Halloween mood no matter what you're doing. And in that section, you're going to find House of the Devil. You're going to find Exorcist 3, which some people say is almost as good as Exorcist. I know that's fighting words, but it is absolutely worth a watch. Amazing jump scare in that movie. You've got the Blair Witch Project. You've got the Evil Dead. You have everything you need to get into the mood. And another guest section they have actually lets me give a shout out to one of my own personal favorite scream queens besides Jamie Lee Curtis. And that is Barbara Crampton, the star of Reanimator. On Shudder right now, she picked out a few of her favorite horror movies. Not just Reanimator, which is there and which is great, but another Stuart Gordon film called Castle Freak. She's got Mario Bava's Black Sunday in there. And she's got a film I'm not sure everybody has seen called A Perfect Host, which stars David Hyde Pierce. You know, evil, classic, wicked. It's got everything. So if you're not already on Shudder, I think my big question to you is, why not? At least go try it for free for 14 days. Go to Shudder.com slash podcast and use the promo code UNMASKED. That Shudder, S-H-U-D-D-E-R dot com slash podcast. Promo code unmasked, and go have some wicked fun. We're back, and if you don't live near South Pasadena and you're a little bit jealous about it, there's also a John Carpenter tour in Bowling Green, Kentucky, where he grew up. Remember Marissa from the Bowling Green Visitors Bureau in
1: Episode 1? Well, she created it. The real-life sites, you know, of course, the the childhood home we mentioned, the log cabin, the small log cabin, and um, his you know, high school was actually college high, which is right there on on WKU's campus as well. And then, of course, you know, WKU itself, because he did go there for a couple of years. And and then our favorite, um, probably on the whole tour, the the Capital Arts Center, and that's uh, a theater downtown on our square that um, John John is is quoted as you know he he brings up in quite a few interviews and has brought up in quite a few interviews through the through the decades. And you know, it's one of the first places he can remember and can recall seeing movies and where he fell in love with the movies um what kind of people have shown up to grab a john carpenter tour map there have been all walks of life coming in to get the john carpenter uh, brochure or the tour brochure from us um definitely a lot of younger folks um Definitely, a lot of the, uh, you know, you take one look at them and you're like, oh yeah, you're a video game nerd, or oh yeah, you're definitely a horror horror buff, and, and you know, you could just tell by looking at them. And that's exactly the the type of fans, you know, that that adore him. If you go on the tour, go hungry. Another famous native we have here is Duncan Hines. So of course we have our Duncan Hines brochure right beside our John Carpenter brochure. Oh, you yeah. you mean there's a cake tour? Yeah,
0: the cake mix king and the master of horror. <laughs> But South Pasadena is doing its best to plant its flag as the place to celebrate Halloween. Five years ago, the mayor even announced a John Carpenter Day.
10: Was that five years ago already? Wow. It was great. I stood up and thanked them. They have this tiny little room where the city council meets. It's really weird.
0: John Carpenter Day itself, of course, lands on Halloween, although they did the ceremony a few months before. There's this great picture of John standing tall and dignified in a gray suit jacket next to the mayor. And the mayor is reading from the certificate such honorific says, Halloween used many real-life South Pasadena trick-or-treaters in various scenes in order to help keep costs down. Picture that, John, the elder statesman of horror in your head. And then picture that skinny hippie we knew who was just running around South Pasadena having fun for no money, being this weirdo outsider rebel who really cared mostly about trying to keep palm trees out of view in his fake Midwestern town.
10: Well, it didn't succeed totally, but if you try to hide those palm trees, you can sort of say it's Haddonfield, Illinois.
0: Does it make you not want to watch the film because you spot
10: the palm trees? I don't ever want to watch any of my movies again. Because I see a scene and I say, what was I thinking? This is stupid. Why did I direct it that way? Why didn't I take a little more time and move the camera over here? I, I don't want to see him again. I really don't.
0: Maybe that sounds harsh if you love his movies, but I also respect John's creative energy. He'd rather be dreaming up something else, a new keyboard riff, than tweaking what he's already done, the way, like, his old USC classmate did, whose name rhymes with schmord schmuckus. Besides, when Halloween accelerated into that self-perpetuating fandom loop, it stopped belonging to him, and it started belonging to everyone. It started inspiring everyone, the way that he was inspired by Orson Welles and Alfred Hitchcock. Like this kid from Texas who grew up to be a filmmaker.
8: I've seen all the Halloween movies, and the first one emotionally triggered something in me that was very uncomfortable and very provocative and very exciting
0: that is once director david gordon green actually got to watch halloween which he wasn't supposed to especially not when he was 11
8: i'd always wanted to see it i had been wanting to see it for a long time and it had been forbidden and my parents were very strict i was growing up in dallas
0: so he went to a friend's house they put in the vhs tape and david had a physical reaction
8: I was very sensitive, and I think it scared me, made me uncomfortable with the idea of a sleepover party, and so uh, I vomited and then split.
0: Were you really scared of Michael Myers?
8: Yeah, yeah I think there's th- this this film, but the original film really had an effect on me. I mean, it still does. And I watch it, and I feel a lot of those little emotional triggers of being a kid watching a movie you're not supposed to. And, and um, yeah, I actually confessed to having seen it, and you know, and it was like one of those nice moral lessons you learn is you know that's why we told you not to see it
0: embarrassment and guilt and fear that is a memorable triple whammy and elsewhere in the South, a kid named Danny McBride wasn't supposed to watch Halloween either.
3: My parents were like pretty strict with movies when we were real young. And then they got divorced and we were allowed to rent whatever the hell we wanted to. But uh, before that, they would, uh, they would like, you know, we, we, were, we were like allowed PG movies. But my sister and I, we would always just go to the horror section and just kind of like browse around. It was always just like being drawn to the, the video boxes and just like looking at these crazy pictures of different murderers or victims and just trying to imagine what it is. Like, what is this movie?
0: So instead of getting to watch the movie, Danny would try to guess what the movie was. And then he'd think about the covers and he would imagine all sorts of stories, and many of which he got wrong.
3: I remember for the longest time I thought The Shining was like, you know, a movie that like took place in the Middle East. Because I thought that Jack Nicholson was wearing like a Sheik's like hat. And then it wasn't until I saw him like, oh no, he's sticking his head through a door. He's not like (laughs) It's not. It's it's not like some kind of turban or something wrapped around his head. So sometimes those interpretations work, and sometimes they don't.
0: Yeah, Jack Nicholson as an evil sheik running around a snowbank with an axe. Not so much. But Denny's imagination was more accurate with Michael Myers.
3: With Michael Myers, it was like I think I had seen his like face before. Like you know, before I saw the movie at a very young age, my parents wouldn't, of course, like let me watch a lot of horror films, but. I remember being, like, sort of entranced by him, of, like, wondering, like, well, what's so scary about him? What does he do? How, you know, like, what, what, why am I not allowed to see the movie that he's in? And uh, so I think I, I, like, he became the actual boogeyman in my head. Because, you know, I hadn't seen the story, and I was kind of left to my own imagination of, like, who he was. And so I remember seeing it, I think I saw it for the first time, maybe when I was, like, in sixth grade, uh, and that's when I saw it for, for real. And uh, I just remember it just holding up and scaring the shit out of me even then. <laughs>
0: Wait, so you're saying you were scared of the movie before you even saw the movie?
3: I was, and that's how it was for a lot of movies. Because, you know, like, look, when I was a kid, you didn't, you know, we, I think our family didn't even get a VCR until I was, like, in fifth grade. So, like, when a movie came out in the movie theaters and then it was gone, like, you didn't really ever see it again.
0: <laughs> I love this because since for so long Danny didn't know exactly what Michael Myers did, he got to be creative and he got to dream up his own scary stories, which is good practice for growing up and getting to write your own.
3: These sort of characters like, you know, Freddy or Jason, Michael Myers, like, you know, sort of how you would talk about them with your friends is, is in some ways how it would sort of generate a lot of that fear because you would just kind of like it just became a character that you would feel a little bit of ownership over talking about what he would do or who he would kill. There weren't like a million websites that you could go to, to for like that people that shared your same interests. So when you would see something like, you know, like a Fangoria magazine with just like all these like photos and stories about horror movies. That were coming out. I don't know. It just was like it definitely would capture my imagination, even, you know, at a young age.
0: And just like John Carpenter did a generation before, Danny started to make his own films. And then through that, he made his own gang of artistic friends.
3: I was always the weird kid in my town that was like running around with a video camera trying to make movies. And then all of a sudden, I end up in this town in North Carolina and I meet all these other nerds that are also running around and making movies in their hometowns. And so I think instantly there was just this connection of like, oh, someone like me.
0: One of those kids was David Gordon Green.
3: You know, I met David my freshman year of college at the uh, North Carolina School of the Arts. It was this little art school in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. David lived next to me in the dorm room and Jody Hill lived on the other side. We just all became buds and because it was just a little state-supported school way outside of where movies were being made, I think it kind of also gave us a, a weird little bit of, like, an underdog idea that, like, we were so far outside of the industry, we're just in this little town, and uh, and we're trying to, like, aim for something
8: big that I, I think it just made us all feel like we needed to stick together and look out for each other. Danny and I met each other living in the same hall in the dormitory in, in, in school, in college, so... Uh, and quickly became friends and collaborators and if you know he was the second unit director on my first film and then his first time he acted was in my second film and i acted in one of his short films because he couldn't get anyone to be naked in the locker room but i don't care so it was always that kind of a a fun friendship
0: wait how naked were you
8: totally naked (laughs) yeah doing pull-ups on the the shower stall in the background of it does this
0: still exist
8: it does Okay. <laughs> it definitely does. <laughs> yeah, it does. Uh, it's, I'll never live it down, but, uh, you know, there's a, there's a certain pride in that audacity that, that I think the two of us look to each other to, to safely go to dangerous places.
0: So there they were, young and ambitious and trying to make movies as good as the ones that they loved. And they did, some of them even together, with David directing and Danny in front of the camera. Movies like All the Real Girls and Your Highness and Pineapple Express. I'm betting you've seen those films, and I'm betting you didn't know that John Carpenter was one of the big figures in their brains. Even David, whose parents had softened on letting him watch Carpenter's movies.
8: Carpenter in particular, for me, represents a lot of my childhood enthusiasm of the magic of of going to the movies with my father. So those were very powerful moments from Big Trouble in Little China, to Starman, to obviously Halloween, and, and so many, The Thing, The Fog, so many of his films meant a lot to me in my childhood vernacular of of cinema.
0: In the next episode, we're going to talk more to them and to producer Jason Blum about the new Halloween, which David directed and Danny co-wrote. They were fans, and now they're becoming part of fandom. And on that set, you could feel their carpenter geek energy, says
2: new Scream Queen Annie Matichek, who we met at the beginning of this episode. Everybody was just a to- is like a total fanboy on set. And they were so excited to make this movie. And that goes down to our key grip and electric and hair and makeup and special fa- I mean everybody on this set was just like so amped up to to bring Michael back um and there was a total fandom there it was even the all the executives at Blumhouse that I thought would be like more suit like they were just <laughs> such nerds so excited to to geek out and and to scare people and and to bring to bring Michael and Lori back together Jamie Lee has tried to prepare Andy for the intensity of what happens now now that you are the face of Halloween just kind of welcoming into the Halloween family. She's really held my hand through a lot of it. And I know that as things pop up, she's she's going to be there. And um, then watching the movie with a packed crowd was, was just too much to handle. I mean, there were so many people wearing masks on the street and jumpsuits and the whole shebang.
3: It's it's intense, man. It's it's in, it's insane. 40 years later, they're just like, your fans have only multiplied. I mean, it, it was awesome. You know, to, we got a standing ovation there and you're just kind of looking out like, you know, this is what this movie did for me when I was a kid. It made me thrill. It made me scared. It made me, you know, want to see more and capture my imagination. So the idea that like, we could continue that in, in our own way and sort of try to give people that same feeling. It was awesome. I mean, it's the whole reason why I, why I think storytelling is so cool.
0: Are you prepared that there are other young kids out there who are going to see your movie and it's going to scare the shit out of them? Are you ready to give kids nightmares?
3: I am. I think, it, it's, uh, I, I think that I would be, it would be mission accomplished if I could continue that vicious cycle.
0: And John has advice for Danny and David, of really for anyone who wants to make a movie.
3: Try to never
10: compromise anybody out there listening who wants to make movies. Make it your vision. What am are you living for? Why are you alive?
0: No pressure. On our last and final episode of Halloween Unmasked, we're going to talk about the choices these grown-up Halloween fans made. And how they managed to get John Carpenter and Jamie Lee on board. Dudes, you are walking into the lion's den. Because in the real world, Michael Myers isn't going to kill any filmmakers. It's this crowd of folks that we just met. Think David and Danny can make their vision? We'll find out in episode 8. Halloween Unmasked is a co-production of The Ringer and Neon Hom Media. It was written and hosted by me, Amy Nicholson, and our producers are Jonathan Hirsch, Zach Mack, and Greta Weber. Production assistance from Kaya McMullen and Karen Navatia. and additional support and a special thanks to Bill Simmons, Sean Fennessy, and Juliet Litman. And an ultra-special thanks to you creeps for listening to Halloween Unmasked.